0: Episode 74 Hey Love Podcast Welcome to Hey Love engaging you the reflective woman in soul care spirituality and social spaces through the grid of God's grace Here it's all about relationships Hey Love thanks for joining me I'm your host Carthy Masters welcome it's been a while. I feel like I sort of fell off the face of the earth there. I'm happy to be with you again. Today, I'm going to be catching you up on what's been going on around here recently and tell you where we're headed over the next few weeks and months. Suffice it to say, I am planning on sticking around here in podcast land, and I'm making plans for more episodes that I think you're going to love. Many of you know that I recently lost my dad. It seems like time sort of stopped for a few weeks for me. We just had the memorial service a few days ago, and I am slowly creeping back into a regular groove again. Some of you have told me about your own experience with grief, how it's unlike anything you've ever experienced, how the tiredness and the stress are like a whole different animal from any other kind of stress or tired you've ever experienced. And some of you have told me how your head feels like it weighs so much you could hardly hold it up. Well, I knew all of that going in, but it still threw me for a loop. I've been experiencing a level of exhaustion, the likes of which I could not have imagined. For real, this sense of being drained and pulled in every way, emotionally, mentally, physically, it's taken me out. And if I'm honest, there's another more personal reason that I've been off the grid too. I'll tell you that part of the story at the end of today's episode. But as loopy as I've been, I actually cooked a meal the other night. My kids were like, Oh, wow, I think mom's back. I hadn't been eating very much before my, ba- my dad passed, um, just basically running on adrenaline and forgetting about food, pretty much. But since his passing, I've had um, sort of a turnaround. I mean, I've totally been eating my feelings such an understatement. I don't consider myself much of a baker, mostly because I had to completely cut gluten out about 10 years ago. And also, I've been been—I've never been big on self-control. So if something's there, I'm going to eat it, like all of it. So I just really haven't been baking. But I got a hold of some gluten-free recipes recently. And I am telling you, I have been baking up a storm in the last few weeks. So I've totally been baking and eating all of my feelings. In the last few days since Dad's funeral, I have made, okay, listen to this, a vat of almond butter brownies thanks to Food Babe. I've made several loaves of banana bread thanks to my friend Crystal Payne, who just launched her brand-new podcast, and it's my new favorite. If you haven't heard it yet, go check it out, The Crystal Payne Show. It's just amazing the power of suggestion, isn't it? It did not take much for these women to get me going. I've also been baking and eating whole pans of gluten-free pumpkin bread, gluten-free chocolate chip cookies, and you know, a lot of these, since they don't have gluten, they kind of overcompensate with like extra sugar, so there's coconut sugar, and, and you know, it's healthy, so you don't count it you got to use a little extra. There's always more than the recipe calls for. And then I decided that buttercream frosting goes with just about anything. So I've been slathering that on everything. Oh my goodness. And eating every bite of it. I want to consume everything. I am not kidding. And yes, I'm happy to share all these recipes with you because I know you're going to be asking for them. I have found the best gluten free stuff this fall. It seems like all the recipes are getting better and better every year, which is a very dangerous thing, especially for an emotional eater like moi. Everything happened really suddenly with my dad. The day we got the call, it was a Thursday night when he got diagnosed, and he was given exactly two weeks to live. Wow, what kind of a prognosis is that? It was shocking to all of us, our community, our extended family all over the world. But truly, when you consider the scheme of the cosmos in the light of eternity, and I want to be sensitive here, it might not have been the same for you with your loved one, but in our case, it was truly a, it was a gift of mercy. I don't know how else to say it, because how many 85-year-olds can say they got a two-week notice on life? And here's the most redemptive piece of this story. My dad dedicated his life to Jesus Christ 24 hours before he passed away. So we are overjoyed about that. He was on his deathbed and kept a promise that he made to me and my husband just a few months prior to this. It was spring break. And my dad was unusually talkative during this family visit. It was almost like he knew this would be the last long conversation we'd ever really get to have with him. So he stayed out of his man cave all day just so we could keep talking. You got to know this was not typical of my dad at all. It was unprecedented. He had always been a man of very few words. He was, however, a voracious reader. His love of the written word is one of the many things he passed down to me, along with his chicken legs and high cheekbones. He had a very inquisitive mind, also like me, but usually the stuff that he was reading had to do with the latest medical research or politics or something that I was not interested in at all. But this past March, he was asking us all these questions about The meaning of life and heaven and death and hell. This was just six months before he even got sick. He had no idea that he would be meeting his maker so soon. It was just unreal. Blair and I were loving it, this conversation. We felt so honored and humbled that he would let us in like this. We told him we'd we'd ask these same questions ourselves. Every human has. Almost like they're deposited in there by design. And we shared with my dad some things that we'd learned in Ecclesiastes, which our church just happened to be studying at the time. It was so timely. Here we'd been reading how Solomon, who's known to be the wisest and wealthiest man to ever live in the history of the world, had been asking these same exact questions my 85-year-old dad was asking in the year 2018. There's no doubt eternity is written on our hearts by our maker. It was wired in there. So after this incredible conversation with my dad, I would email him notes from sermons every once in a while, um, every couple of weeks or so, and we'd discuss it. He reminded me of the time he attended a Billy Graham crusade um, in Chennai, India, back in 1956. Dad actually said yes to Jesus Christ back then during the altar call, but he admitted that he just didn't flesh that out very well in his day-to-day life. Um, He confessed he told me and Blair that he'd probably give his life fully to Christ when he's on his deathbed someday. Those were his exact words. Well, my dad kept his promise. His someday came much quicker than any of us could have imagined. There's something so merciful in that, the way it all went down. I mean, it was like the Lord knew my dad needed something that would really shake him up, something really dramatic. And I tell you, it did get dad serious. He realized the gravity of it all. And he knew that the most important decision he could ever make in his lifetime was this one. So after running from God all those years, my dad, Danu Chalapa, dedicated his life in the 11th hour. I guess that's called rededication. It was so amazing. He's with Jesus now, looking into those eyes and feeling more whole and more loved than ever. I could not be more happy for him. I got to witness this whole thing with my mom and my brother, and I'll never get over that experience. None of us are ever going to be the same. I got to tell you, love, all that we've been discussing here and learning from the Bible, everything you've been reading and studying about Jesus Christ in the Word of God, it's all true. The gospel is true. I believe it more than I ever have now, and I'm willing to die for it. More importantly, I'm willing to live for it. It's everything I'm living for. Well, I promised you that I would expound on the rest of the story as to why I've been laying so low during this time. I mean, all that about being tired and stressed and grieving, it's all true. But in recent weeks, whenever I did have an idea for a new episode or an inkling to post something on Instagram or Facebook about what was happening, um, I would just sort of freeze the the reason that i felt hesitant to write anything is because i got some criticism from a distant relative you know it's it's just one of those it's one of those little ironies of life i can mentor younger women all day long and tell them not to worry about what other people think about what they're doing or saying or whatever about their choices but here i was putting more into this one person's words Than what I felt called to do. I mean, they would make one little remark and I would just freeze in my tracks. It's not even a relative that I see often at all. They're not even somebody I talk to on a regular basis. But during the course of dad's illness and death and stuff, I had to deal with this person just a couple of times and they were like, oh, you're turning your dad's death into an opportunity to promote your podcast? Oh, you know, that would be seen as tacky in our culture, but I guess standards are just different here in America. <laughs> and one time they said something about, you know, it's not cooth to air your dirty laundry with your dad on social media. Don't you think that's a little dishonoring to the deceased? Ouch. So I was talking with my mentor about these comments from this person, and, you know, I, I use the word relative loosely because, you know, In my culture, we call everybody a relative, uncle, auntie, cousin, whether they're a blood relative or not. So if you're trying to guess who it is, I don't think you'll ever guess. So I was talking with one of my mentors, Diane, about these comments, and Diane had already sensed that I had been feeling stifled by this person. And I was like, you know, I really didn't feel like I was saying anything disrespectful. I mean, the things that I had written up at that point on my blog or Facebook or anywhere, the things that I had written were all about my issues, but I wasn't trying to make things about, but I wasn't, it wasn't like I was trying to make things about me, like self-promotion. And I certainly was not trying to air any dirty laundry about my dad. I mean, I felt like everything I said about him was really honoring So my friend Diane listened very wisely, quietly, as I made this valiant effort to defend myself. She was real quiet. And then she told me, you know, Carthy, when criticism comes from someone you hardly ever see or talk to you, and they're just dropping critical remarks that are attacking to your character without really knowing you or your heart, it's okay to let those words just fall to the ground. Because... Most likely, God's not going to use somebody like that to communicate something of value to you. (laughs) Oh, it was so good to hear that. Those words, they were like breathing life into my soul. This is why I'm always telling you, you need somebody older and wiser in your life. Run. Don't walk to your mentor. Ask her to mentor you. Diane's clarity really lifted a heavy weight off my shoulders. I felt a freedom to get back in there, to start writing and recording for the podcast again, and to jump back on my socials and get in touch with people who'd been praying and asking me for updates. I have to trust that God knows my heart. Again, isn't it just amazing, the power of words? One person's words affected me to where I was paralyzed and couldn't write anything about what was happening all those hours every day when I so wanted to write. You know, it's my therapy. There I was in the hospital, in the hotel room, all those times I thought about writing something, I just felt stuck. I couldn't do it because I gave into the fear of what that person would think of me. That's why all you got from me for all that time was radio silence. But then this other person's words, Diane's, were used to free me up and really give me the nudge that I needed to do the thing that I love the most, which is writing. So while one person spoke death and fear, the other person spoke truth and life. So in closing, I just want to say it makes me really want to weigh carefully the words that come out of my mouth, whether I'm speaking one-on-one with a woman in my house or on my porch or um, speaking to you over this microphone. And I'm going to close with a reading from the writings of King David. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. That's Psalm 1914. Well, I'm going to be back next week with more on the 4R Restore plan I was telling you about last time. I'm so excited about sharing that with you. Remember to check the show notes for recipes. Gluten-free banana bread, gluten-free almond butter brownies, gluten-free pumpkin bread. Mm, Yum, yum, yum. I might have to go make another batch of something. And maybe this time I won't eat half the batter before it's baked. (laughs) Till next time, bye love. My thanks to the heroic, handsome, most talented rock star, keyboard player, producer, engineer extraordinaire, and my best friend, Blair Masters, for setting it all to music. And thank you for joining us. Come on back and we'll talk more about how you can find your happy by living life more connected. I'm gonna clip I'm and I'm gonna confection confection confectioners powdered sugar on everything.